0: and I started to believe I was gay. And um, I remember being so devastated at that moment. When I say I was gay, it was like, oh no, I'm, I, I remember thinking I've made myself a homosexual because I'm aroused looking at this man. And um, it was devastating because I never wanted it to go there. You know, I never wanted to experience that. I, um, I, I remember being attracted to girls, honestly. So um, that just led to more hiding. My, more emasculating thoughts about myself um and um there was another event too which kind of reinforced the situation which was one of the kids that really bullied me in a school i was in became a, can, a kid I, that i started sexually acting out with and um and this was really interesting because um he invited me to participate with him sexually and i had developed insecurity about my body, but now my body was being accepted by the very kid who wounded me the most in this area.
1: Hello, and welcome to The Union Podcast. My name is Brian Pugh, and I am co-founder of The Union Movement. And if you're new to this podcast, this podcast is all about helping people find wholeness in areas of sexuality, identity, and relationships with a biblical, gospel-centered, holistic approach. Uh, man, that's a mouthful, but that's what we're all about. And uh, if you're if you're a return listener, we just want to thank you so much for coming back. We'd love it if you comment or subscribe and just share away. Um, we just hope that this uh, this conversation, this podcast is just a tool that God uses uh, to help people find that wholeness that uh, that God is so willing uh, to bring into people's lives. And today, here we are in episode 62, and I sit down with Stephen Thomas. Uh, he is a certified husband material coach, certified inner child recovery coach, as well as a life coach. Um, and uh, he shares just so transparently about his struggle growing up with um, just identity brokenness, but also sexual brokenness and porn addiction and also same sex attraction. And he shares just a great perspective of what God can do when we bring these areas of our life uh, into the light. And he shares very vulnerably, very powerfully. And uh, I I think if this isn't gonna help you specifically, it's definitely gonna help somebody that you know. um, As so many of us are dealing with A variety of different uh, sexual brokenness. Um, And uh, and I think when we allow the light of God's love and his truth uh, to those areas, we can find wholeness and we can find healing in in those areas. So I encourage you uh, comment, subscribe and share this podcast. Get it before a bunch of people. We know it's going to be an encouraging one. Uh, So here I am sitting down with Stephen Thomas. I hope you enjoy. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Union Podcast. I am here with the one, the only Stephen Thomas. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Brian. Yeah, it's an honor to have you here. Now, tell us a little bit about where you hail from, where you are right now. I think you're you're over on the East Coast, right?
0: I am. I live in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm, I'm originally from the Chicagoland area, but my wife and I and our three kids picked up and moved uh, wow. late last summer, just following what we believe God was telling us to do. And so we're loving it
1: here. Yeah, I can tell because even how you said Chicago is just like it's definitely got the got a special way, special way of saying it. So <laughs> that's awesome, man. Uh, how long have you been married?
0: We've been married for thirteen years today, actually.
1: Dude, congratulations! Happy yeah. anniversary, man. That's Thank awesome. It's awesome. You said you have three kids.
0: That's correct. Ten eight, and uh, nineteen months. A uh, girl and two boys, and uh, they are incredible people.
1: Oh, I love it, man. I love it. That's so good. Well, we're having you on here today. Uh, You do some amazing work through your consulting organization. I love to hear, um, and I think our listeners would love to hear more about that, the work that you do and just why it's so important to you.
0: Yeah. So um, I'm a life consultant and what this what that means, it's sort of a hybrid of uh, coaching and counseling. So, you know, coaching looks forward, counseling looks backwards. Um, I'm coming in saying, well, let's try to move forward. But when we hit a wall in our forward progress, it's because of your story from the past. And then we're going to dive backwards and uh, see how your story is actually impacting you today, keeping you from seeing the success you want. So, Um, that's what I do. And my specific focus is helping um, men who are wanting to outgrow whatever unwanted sexual behavior or attraction they're dealing with. Um, And so I help them in that area. And I also help couples uh, repair and heal their marriages.
1: Wow. Well, no, this obviously the work that you do is so connected to your own story. Why, Why are you so passionate about those areas?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, one, I'm intimately related to it. It's me weaponizing my own story, my own journey, and and passing along like the freedom that I've been experiencing. Um, and also, I mean, I just have a heart because I'm, I'm stealing this from, I don't know if, if you know who Danny Silk is, but he has a statement. Um, he believes that, and I believe that God wants to use whole healthy families to change the world. So mm-hmm. my goal is to help men get unstuck, uh healed and thriving and for them to learn how to emotionally connect and relate to their wives to see healthy marriages so that they can pass that health on to their children. So, um you know, I grew up a Christian and you see this thing where, you know, maybe a move of God is happening or something and then you see the next generation become atheist. And it's, I, I believe it's about, you know, the brokenness in our soul that has not been getting dealt with and a lot, big fruit of that has been um Porn addiction, sexual addiction. I mean, 70% at least of Christian men wrestle with this on the regular. Um, so that's the vision is to help men get us unstuck marriages whole so that they can pass on thriving, connected relationships to their children and see it, uh, see that become the cycle.
1: I love it. I love it, man. That's so that's so good. Now we were talking a little bit about your story um when we connected you know a few weeks back in this area of porn addiction, this area of just kind of being stuck in um and and habits and patterns in your life, coping with pain, coping with a bunch of different things uh, was very much your reality. Can you share uh, with us just a little bit of your story when it comes to those dynamics?
0: Yeah. So um, I grew up in a Christian family, but was exposed to pornography at age seven. Um, I was already pretty sexually aware even before then. Um, So when it was offered to me, I said, yes. And that sexual awareness came from two parents that um, were, you know, you know, strong in the faith, but they struggled in their own ways with how to relate to one another, doing conflict well in their own marriage. And um, there were some issues with, you know, disagreement over finances. My mom went back to work and that set me up where I had access to TV, uh, unparented. and that exposed me to sexual ideas and concepts. So I just remember at a really young age, believing I was a pervert and um, because I knew it was wrong. I knew like sex was for marriage. I knew that much. Um, but yeah so i was exposed at a really young age um and the way i saw it i think is important too because i find a lot of guys can relate to the story which was um like i said through television um we had a cable box and back then this was the 90s you know you'd have scrambled porn and but the sound was unedited like you could hear the sex and you could see you could see the bodies you could see things if you paid attention and um children are curious right so uh just had exposure to porn through that um and though when i say i was exposed to porn at age seven that was my first unscrambled porn exposure um so you know i carried lots of shame and i wanted to hide because i felt like my seven-year-old brain was saying to myself oh my gosh this is like the second worst sin uh, murder's got to be number one, and this has got to be number two. Like, that was a seven year old brain processing it and feeling really horrible about himself. And um, yeah, and there was a lot of things to escape looking back now that I didn't realize. Um, I'm the youngest of four kids. We grew up in a very like sport centric family, and um, there wasn't really space created for me to thrive in that environment being the youngest. So it was like everyone's playing yet since I'm the youngest. I w- you don't perform as well. And again, where some things are unparented, or just there's unawareness, it would always be like a losing experience for me. And it made me not want to relate to people. So I just learned to kind of grow up and feel good with television and and even food. Uh, to be honest, um, I, I became overweight. And um, yeah, I just wrestled with feeling like I was less masculine or less, you know, capable as uh as a, As a guy, just because I couldn't keep up in sports and things like that.
1: Wow. Well, so how long did like how long did it take from that point from your first exposure to like where this was like a continual pattern where you are seeking out and even like would be classified as as an addiction where you're escaping into you know pornographic use.
0: Yeah. To be honest, I don't know the exact date of when like the line was crossed of this is addictive, but I was highly I've always kind of shared or told the story as if I was kind of addicted immediately because I felt the shame and knew I liked it and would keep going back to feel good. And then, you know, there's just this cycle. So, um, yeah, so at some point pretty early on, it did become like at least a, a bad habit that I was stuck in. Um, you know, I guess even in clinical world, people have different ideas, whether to call it addiction. I believe I was addicted. Uh, I could not stop for the life of me. Um,
1: well, I think this is a lot of things that, you know, I think in the conversation that people forget is how, um, just, I think we were talking about this before, like how your brain is so wired for some certain things, right? Like even designed by God for, for intimacy and for connection, even through sexual experience. And so like, God's always designed it that, you know, our sexual experience would be within that covenant of marriage. And we would be, bond, we'd be bound towards our, uh, we'd be binded like relationally and, and even like the chemical binding that goes on in the brain, like it's, it's really amazing, but like that it'd be a deeper level of intimacy with our, with our spouse, with our husband or our wife, right. Depending obviously uh, woman or male, right. But, um, but then this is where the damage of porn use can switch over. And now you're binding towards a substance that can actually give you that intimacy. And so you're continually running and running back. Do you, did you see that going on in your life or? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, you know, I was going back, uh, for another feel good hit. Yeah. I was feeling lonely. I was feeling, um, shamed, you know, it wasn't providing, you know, the intimacy that sex was designed for definitely. And, um, so yeah, I could just agree and say, yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think it's, I think it's quite concerning when, you know, people say like, there's a lot of like social issues and, you know, when it comes to justice, you know, for those who are caught in trafficking and and everything, there's that conversation. But I think this is the one part that people kind of jump over when, when they're having the conversation of like, is porn damaging? I think they're only dealing with it on like a physical level or, you know, like, Oh, it's not really hurting anybody. And you can go down that line of, of justice, but it's actually destroying your own soul, you know? And, and I think this is why, you know, Paul, when he writes, he's like, Hey, like when you commit sexual immorality, you're actually sinning against your own body, mm-hmm. which is quite a, quite a crazy, cra- crazy, statement.
0: Yeah. You know, as you're saying that it brings up for me, the fact that um, it, it caused me to miss really key emotional development um, were designed by God to have needs and for those needs to get met in the context of relationships. And there's nothing wrong with these needs. So I learned to not have needs because I had a way to meet them that was a very isolated way. So I've experienced a lot of loneliness from this also, um, just because now I'm not getting my needs met in the context of a relationship. And it just buried the fact that I think in my family dynamic, there was an issue around having needs and getting them met and relating to one another in an emotional way.
1: Well, and I, I know too, as we, you know, we talked previously and even as we're jumping in, like June is, is pride month and tell us a little bit about how exposure to porn and, you know, whether you want to call it compulsive behavior or addiction or whatever to, to porn actually led to, um, SSA or same sex attraction in, in your story.
0: Yeah. So, um, there's a couple key pieces here. So one was, you know, I said I was struggling with feeling not as masculine as other kids because I couldn't keep up in sports. There's some other stories that I have where I had some bullying and that really kind of put that home and or hit that home for me combined with the um, already feeling kind of emasculated because I was stuck in porn and feeling horrible about myself. Um, And then the other pieces, you know, kids are curious and on these porn channels I was describing to you um, something that they often did is they wouldn't really show the male parts. Um, they would try to avoid that. And um, I was at a point where I became very curious about what penetration looked like. So I, I remember really wanting to see that. That was like the next level, the next hit for me. So the combination of that, and also looking back, I realized like, I couldn't relate to the guy in the scene. Cause like the, this guy was the guy that the girls wanted. And I never experienced that. It was all my, like, all the other boys that the girls would have crushes on i didn't experience that for myself in a way that yeah like i felt like i was second rate so um the combination of those two pieces and the lack of even just a close connected relationship with my father at the time um i was wanting to see penetration looking for the man's penis already in an aroused state and all of this got jumbled up where i was like oh no i'm focusing only on the guy now and I'm aroused, and I started to believe I was gay. And um, I remember being so devastated at that moment. When I say I was gay, it was like, oh no! I'm. I, I remember thinking I've made myself a homosexual because I'm aroused looking at this man. And um, it was devastating because I never wanted it to go there. You know, I never wanted to experience that. I, um, I, I remember being attracted to girls, honestly. So. Um, that just led to more hiding, more emasculating thoughts about myself. Um, And um, there was another event too, which kind of reinforced the situation, which was one of the kids that really bullied me in a school I was in became a kid kid that I started sexually acting out with. And, um, and this was really interesting because um, he invited me to participate with him sexually. And I had, developed insecurity about my body, but now my body was being accepted by the very kid who wounded me the most in this area. And um yeah, so that that started happening and um just more hiding. Um and the whole all, all the porn all of it just kept increasing is the best way. And I, I wasn't willing to open up about it because I was scared. <laughs> um this is the bottom line.
1: Yeah. And you think as a you know as a young man like you know, dealing with these issues. Like these are things that just should never have been on the radar of a young person. You know what I mean? And now you're having to, to deal with this and process through this, especially if there aren't strong, you know, like uh higher hierarchical relationships in your life. Like, you know, you can't talk to your parents about it yet. Now you're being bullied yet. You're being accepted. Like it's just kind of this perfect storm. Yeah. Um, what was it that then, you know, like, I'm sure, I'm sure this is kind of like the early years of your teenage or, or like when, when was this exactly? Yeah. on? about
0: 13 years old.
1: Yeah. Wow. So some pretty formative years of your life now, like, what do you say, you know, maybe this is a bigger question about like, what do you say to those who like would kind of in the, in the conversation around same sex attraction, homosexuality, and could even go into transgenderism, but like, would kind of say like, Oh no, they're not, they're not, it's not like, it's not nature or it's not nurture. It's nature. What would you say to that, to that conversation or to that topic?
0: I mean, I've yet to, I've had plenty of people I work with who share their stories of same sex attraction. And just as someone who's walked through it, um, I was pretty aware that I hated myself, which is an issue of nurture, not nature. Um, I, I, And I've yet to find the guy who, like, loved their expression of masculinity. Like, I was the it guy all the girls wanted, yet here I am struggling being attracted to boys, you know, as a teenager. I've yet to hear that story. Um, So uh, what I think happens is that, um, like I said, there's this issue of self-loathing that's at play. And sometimes what we do to make ourselves be able to cope with that is sort of, change like our goals like you might hear this when you work with a guy who's wanting to escape you know or leave behind use of porn so like before it's like no porn no masturbation or whatever no fantasy and then maybe they like don't like they start porn they don't uh and they start masturbating but they don't orgasm and instead of like while that's a step forward for them instead of truly facing that like oh i really want to get to a point where i don't even begin that They'll be like, well, that's fine. I'll camp out here. This is okay behavior. And the issue is that there's a shame problem, you know? And um, I always feel sad for people who don't recognize or who I call it moving the goalpost, the what I just described to you. I always feel bad for people who do that because that shame is a place Jesus wants to come in and heal. And it robs ourselves from that experience because we just said, no, I'm fine. I don't have any problems.
1: Right. We start changing definitions instead of dealing with the actual root of the problem.
0: Exactly. So yeah. pain just we just carry that pain and we mask it as best as we can.
1: Man. So like, what was the turning point in your life? So like you're, you know, like you're in the middle of your teenage years, what was that turning point that, you know, you started to experience some freedom and, and healing in your, in your life?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, there's a couple it was a bumpy road to be honest, but um, when I was 16, um, you know, I had a moment where I confessed um, actually to my brother and somebody else, and that really opened up the door, like just allowing that light in um opened up like a six month period of sobriety for me, but I was still pretty scared about my story and not understanding. 16 years old, I, I had no clue what was going on. Um and after about six months, I had a relapse um with porn and or it wasn't even porn, it was actually masturbation. Um and and the shame from that just came back in and I hit again. And and actually um porn use developed into embracing, um, you know, anonymous hookups with guys I'd meet online. Um, this is where I like to sh- share, like, I never embraced like, Hey, I'm gay. I never embraced that. Even though I said at the beginning of my story, Oh no, I made myself gay. Like I recognized that I was struggling with same sex attraction, but I knew it was my brokenness. And I, knew that, um, like I didn't want to actually live that lifestyle. Um, I didn't want to, I, I was hoping, but I was struggling and, and drowning really. Um, so, what happened was, you know, when I was in college is when I was doing the hookup thing. And um, all along the way, I'd pray for God to help me, you know, deliver me God, make this go away. And um, what started happening was my parents um, and my brother, actually, uh, they started having dreams about me uh, that I was struggling. And they would come to me and I was, I was squirmy. I I was good at lying and hiding. Um, But there's a point where it was like, I feel like God kind of cornered me. And honestly, I think that was the answer to my prayer. Take this away from me. I feel like God said, Hey, here's an opportunity to stop hiding. Do you want to take it?
1: Oh, that's so good. So good. Thank you, God.
0: (laughs) And You know, I kind of against my own will started, you know, they got me in some uh, therapy and, you know, some small groups and, um, and that was when my brother had a dream after I'd been doing that for a couple of years. And I used that as an opportunity to try to stop hiding, which was like, I just told him everything that had been going on as far as he knew, like, he's like, I, from, as far as I know you're doing well on this issue, but I had this dream. I just want to see, and just told him, cause he was the person I confessed to when I was 16. And, um, and then I was like, Hey, I'm good now Relapsed six months later and hid into my early twenties. And, um, and I just told him everything. and um you know, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we know that's true of our spirit, man. The Bible also says, confess your sins to one another so you can be healed. Um, You know, I think the combination of like living those out on the regular, like, so if you do that, like, if you're not just confessing to God, but to other people, and you do that all the time, that becomes vulnerability. You know, like one confession is not always vulnerable. It's harder to confess the second time when it's like, I feel really needy, I feel really stuck, feel really small that I'm still here. But to become vulnerable in our pain, which we've lived with for years, like that was where um, I began to start to see change. And um, it was in that process that I met, um, like I said, today was my anniversary, but I met um, a woman that I fell in love with. And in that space of Meeting her, falling in love with her, and or just realizing, you know, like I'm attracted to her. Um, and people, I'm sure, will have questions. So I'll, I'll go back to there in a second. <laughs> but, um but yeah, um, in that place, vision came in to being a father and a husband again. Those were things that I was really devastated that I thought I lost because of struggling with same sex attraction and not really experiencing attraction to women. And. Um, Yeah. I met her and we, uh, became friends, started dating and we went on actually after our first date. Um, I like knew she was the one and early on in our relationship, um, told her about everything because I knew I'm like, I don't want to be blindsiding you like on our wedding night, you know, like you should know what you're getting into and know, like you have the option to say, do I want to go on this journey with you or not? So pretty early in our relationship, I was open. And then six weeks into like being an official couple i used porn one time and um confessed to her pretty quickly and you know she was honest about how it impacted her that it hurt her and she was crying um i said words that i couldn't believe I was saying, which was, I'll never do it again, which was crazy for me to say, because my, like from seven to my whole, like my waking, my, the years I remember of my life, I've been an addict. I do not know what it's like to be free of this. I do not believe in my capability to make a healthy decision in that moment where I have to say, no, I'm not going to use porn right now. Never been able to do this like consistently. And, um, but I told her I'll never do it again. And I have not. And that was almost 14 years ago. Um, uh, today we're celebrating our 13 year wedding anniversary so um yeah and the power of it is you know again without vision the people perish that also translates without vision people cast off restraint so now the vision of being a husband and father was back and she was real like she told me she's like look she wanted to go down this journey with me but she was honest with me like i don't know if i have capacity like for you to be relapsing with this. I don't know if I have the grace to do this, especially if it ends up being like gay porn or something like that. I don't know if I'm able to do that. And it wasn't her being rude or anything like that. She was just being honest. And um so I had the fear of God and the fear of her that I would lose her. And I I didn't want that. And that vision brought in restraint. And I've been working on it in some therapy, stuff like that for a couple of years, but that was the missing piece. So that was how um like That's how change happened in my life. Um,
1: That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I, I find it interesting too that it was that moment when you told her and and because like I've I've shared this with other guys too because well here I'll just the moment where you told her and and she began to cry and you saw those tears and you saw the pain that it caused. I've I've often like in talking to other guys say like you need to understand that as a man you're made to be a protector and not a predator, you know, and that you're made to actually do what's right and not what's easy. Like this is, this is what genuine manhood is. It's not about how much you can bench press or, you know, how big your truck is or how many, you know, hunting rifles you have or whatever, like you're the manhood is like you, you protecting those who are vulnerable. That's, that's one of the, the, the distinctives. And I think, you know, seeing the actual, human response in another woman is actually so key is like seeing the emotional damage that it does to women is so important. Uh, because I think pornography kind of puts forth this idea that it doesn't, that women just love it just as much as men do, you know? Right. And it, it just, it just sexualizes them and just objectifies them, which I don't think it's not, it's not in God's design that we would be operating in this way as men, but I think even more so it's not in the heart of women to like, somebody's had to lie to a young lady um, about who she is and about who, what her value is in order to be living this pattern. Um, yeah. And I think it breaks, you know, appealing to that, that heart of man, that's made to be a protector, I think is so important in helping them find find freedom.
0: That's this so good, man. You're
1: right. I know that was was me on a soapbox. I'm supposed to be asking you questions, but I just, I just think that I think that's so good. And I think that's one of the missing keys when we're talking about, you know, uh, porn addiction and and walking in freedom, walking in genuine purity is we want to make it about, you know, uh, filters on our phone or on our, you know, computer, which I'm not going to throw shade at, like, you got to do what you got to do, you know, snapping the purity bands, you know, and all that, all that stuff, right. Like the, the behavioral modification, like if, if you, if it's, what's keeping you from acting out, there's a certain level of value there but yeah. i think it we need to get back to the heart issue yeah. and actually um go just beyond just the external and get into the internal so like when i think about your story what was it um you know i know there are some certain aspects of therapy that you started to go go through and you know confession was that starting point but what were the key the key moments or the key practices that started to show up in your life that led that led to freedom
0: yeah i mean the continual openness Was really helpful because then I started to put some history under my belt of sobriety, which was a new thing for me. And there was definitely a bit of like owning my masculinity. Hey, I'm overcoming. And actually, have a friend who's from Israel. And he once told me that, like, if you look at the Hebrew words for um, for like male and female, they're like a reference to genitalia. But if you look at the word for man, it means overcomer. And so that's what God calls us as an overcomer. So it's very emasculating. To be stuck, to be an addict, you know. Every guy, there's something w- where it's robbing us of our masculinity, and in um, recovering that is really powerful. So, um, so there was definitely a piece of like building that history that helped me to take back ownership of all the things I you know, hated about myself. Um,
1: Man. I love it. That's so good. Now, like I read a little bit of your story on your website and you talked about your early years of marriage. So obviously like you're walking in freedom in this area, but now you're getting married and you know, all the problems didn't go away with marriage. Imagine that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, so, um, this is important because, uh, A lot of people think sobriety is the end, but um, becoming emotionally healthy is actually what I think the end is. And it's an end without an end, like to continue to pursue like your own growth, becoming more emotionally healthy and available is what you'll do. And the Bible says, again, keep your heart with all diligence. I tell my clients, guess what? There's no end date to that. Um, that's something you will be doing your whole life. So, um, and if you do it, you will find healing. You will find yourself detaching more and more from the lies you believe about yourself. There are definitely things in my life that I'm not attracted to that used to be. And that's awesome. I love it. And, uh, finding more confidence and, like, you know, as a father, um, you know, God doesn't want to raise. nobody wants to raise an insecure kid. So I'm like, this is so much better. i <laughs> experience confidence, loving who I am as a man is way better. So, um, all that's to say though is that I was not emotionally healthy at the beginning of my marriage because I had learned to cope uh with my pain by escaping it through pornography uh and you know sexually acting out for years and years and years. So now I'm with a woman who um is present with her emotions and it brings up this challenge and I was just trying to dismiss her. You know, that was my family system that was operating inside of my psyche that had got me stuck, you know, and it's like, "Alright, we're going to dismiss" you're just dramatic you're being a woman you're all this stuff that was you're you just know,
1: emotional yeah you're
0: just emotional all that stuff that i blamed her i blame and guess what the church was really good at going along with it lots of times to be honest um i i, I knew how to grow, i grew up in the church so i knew how to speak it and when we'd like meet and get help it was like yeah lisa it's you i'm like see babe um and it sucked um but i wore her out five years in she wanted to divorce me um so it was um i i, I learned you know I made her start hating herself. I was, there's lots of things. I mean, I say I made her, I contributed, I guess is maybe a better way to say it. Um, so yeah, we had to go on a journey to save our marriage and I had to learn to grow emotionally, being able to like be with her in inner pain. Even if it's like, sometimes she would have pain about my past. I'm like, you know, God forgave me. Like, why is that? She's like, like, I'm just in pain that you like didn't save yourself for me. Like that's something I always wanted. And that got robbed for me. And I'm like, so instead of being like well that's stupid you know it's like you know what? that sucks actually being able to connect with her in her pain be with her um that's being emotionally healthy being able to attune um validate um and you know so we got some help and uh we're actually in a place where we love our marriage we love each other we like each other we um you know our marriage i feel like is thriving in every level
1: um so good man i love it i love it for for somebody who's listening and they may see like your story is like their story right now. It's like what your past is, is their present. They're living it out. Like, what would you say, um, to someone in that scenario and what steps, like what steps would you recommend and encourage them to take?
0: Yeah. The first is, is to get help, um, open up. You're not going to get there by yourself right? I mean, if it's just you and God, your chances are really slim of getting the success you want. Um, like invest in yourself. Like actually tell yourself you're worthy of that investment and like open up to people, get get whatever you need. Like, like that, that needs to become more normal in these days, unfortunately. Um, because you could try, like I said, you could spin your wheels in the mud trying to do this for you and God. And I think so many guys try to do that. And it's kind of unfortunate. But that's the first thing. Um, the second is is like when you find someone to help you or find a program, um. Learn your story. So understand that your past is impacting you today. And like even like coming from a background where I've struggled with same-sex attraction, like it's it's not just for people who struggled with that. Like you'll realize that whatever unwanted sexual behaviors or attractions you're struggling with, like there is a story behind it that is impacting you. You need to understand that so that you know how to respond to your triggers, not just sexual, but all triggers so you can stay present in the moment and so that in so that you're not escaping your reality through things like porn or it could even be social media, food, all, all things that I've done. Um, so um, we're talking about like learning trigger management, learning to stay present. And and as you develop your, um, your knowledge and understanding of your story, you're going to develop self-compassion for that kid in your story that was in pain and didn't know what to do, started struggling with porn, things got out of control and is struggling with shame over it. And in doing that, uh, learning that self-compassion, you'll actually be learning to reflect God's heart to yourself, which will cause you to heal. It's like the woman caught in adultery, like received love. So when he he saw her story, I believe he saw like, no, there's a story here. I'm not going to condemn you. You know, he has compassion. That's what God's heart is for us. So, um, and honestly, it's important to untie from the unwanted like behaviors and attractions. One reason why I can say things like, Oh, I don't, um, I'm not, I'm not, attracted the things I was before is like I know that this kid struggled with his own um, beliefs about his masculinity you know and so I also know that if it like a floating thought passes through my mind of um, a same-sex you know attraction or something like that, I know to partner with that goes back to this place where I thought all these other guys had something I didn't in the masculinity department. And like, I'm not participating with that Confidence is way better. Like I love who I am. So the compassion has opened up healing has opened up like anger on it, even on behalf of myself and what I didn't get. So I can actually t- like retie to my true identity and disown all the crap.
1: Yeah, dude. That's so good. That's so powerful, man. Thank you so much for, just being bold and, you know, sharing your story and, and, you know, the help that you're providing today for so many people who I think could, could relate with your story. I, I'm, you know, I think this is going to be powerful. How can people stay in touch with you? How can people, you know, be a part of the work that you're doing and and even maybe take that journey, uh, whether it's with a couple or, you know, the, within the relationship that they're in, or just personally, how can they be a part of uh, be a part of the work that you're doing and, and take that step in their journey?
0: Yeah. So um, you can go to, facebook.com slash Stephen Thomas consulting. My name is with a pH where you can follow me there. That's where I post, you know, the, the, the crazy and wonderful thoughts that go through my mind. Um, And then, um, you know, other than that, I'm offering, I do offer coaching, I, individual um, group context coaching, and then couples coaching. And you can find that at my website, which is Stephen Thomas, consulting.com. And yeah, like I have such a heart to, again, just be able to equip guys to just own their strength that God has put in them and to heal the marriages. And yeah, that's really awesome. Exciting.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much, Stephen. Thanks for being on the podcast today and just being so uh, willing to share your story. Um, because I think, you know, you just gave permission to people uh, to own their story and begin to take that step of freedom today, man. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to The Union Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please
0: email us at podcast at theunionmovement.com. For more information, please visit our website, theunionmovement.com, or find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Union Movement.